At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to look deeper into 1 Peter, tuning into our current series, Unshakable, Steadfast Hope in an Unpredictable World. Join us as we allow God's Word to shape us and renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the gospel. There we go. So do you remember back in the day, hearing about a guy named Arnold Abbott? I mean, this was, this was back a little bit of time ago. Here's a picture of Arnold. Arnold... Arnold and his wife loved to feed the homeless in South Florida like they loved it. And then when his wife passed away, Arnold doubled down his efforts. I mean, like he got a great, here's a picture of him feeding on the beach. Look at this one. He's on the beach feeding the homeless. The city got mad. Like they got so mad. They said, we don't want those people here. We want those people. And when you feed them, it just makes more of those people come here. Arnold, you got to stop. Arnold said, well, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to start a Christian nonprofit called Love Thy Neighbor. That's what I'm going to do. So they made it against the law. You can't feed people anymore. It's against our city code. Well, he got arrested at 90 years old. Twice in one week, he got arrested. They cuffed him and stuffed him. 90 years old. They took him to jail. Arnold, they took him to jail. He didn't quit over the next four years. He continued to feed the homeless until he passed away. He never quit. Of course, the laws were overturned. They changed all the laws, got everything made right. But it, doesn't that make you inside cringe just a little bit? Doesn't that make you say, Lord, why would you do that? Why would you allow that? He's 90 years old feeding people who are hungry. How is that just, right? Why would that ever happen? This guy's doing what he's supposed to do, which kind of brings up how there's some pastors who will preach what I believe to be a very false gospel. They're going to preach that if you become a Christian, there's going to be all unicorns and rainbows. Like it's going to be great and life is going to be easy and you're going to be rich. All of you are going to be rich and nothing bad is ever going to happen to you, which really brings us to our big idea today. Our big idea is that believers in Christ will sometimes suffer for doing good. Believers in Christ, there are going to be times that you will suffer for doing good. Let's take our Bibles and open up to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. We've been on a journey. As Peter has been talking, this is the last week of this series, Peter has been talking Two Christians who are scattered all over the area. They're experiencing persecution. They're experiencing just a very, very difficult life because the world around them is chaos. It's shaking. It's angry. It is definitely not pro-Christian. And Peter teaches that they should be set apart. That as Christians, we should be set apart. We should be holy because God is holy. That we have been rescued. We have been ransomed as slaves to sin. That's what's happened. We have been brought into the family of God. Two weeks ago, we talked about how Peter was teaching that we as Christians should be submissive to the government authorities who are over us. But I love today because he goes from this big picture of the government authorities over us and he starts to really narrow down into what it looks like at the personal level in our workplace. So what we're going to do, we're just going to read through the whole text and then we'll spend some time reading through it together. First Peter chapter 2, verse 18 through 25. Servants, servants be subject to your masters with all respect, 
not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin, you're beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed, for you were strained like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. <clears throat> now, before we go any, for, any further in the text, I want to point out that that word that it started with servants, the literal translation would be the word slaves. Now, I think it's important that we talk about that word slave for a moment because for most of us, when we hear slave, we think about our own context, the American context of slavery, don't we? We think colonial America, we think civil war, we think Britain, we think the slave trade, right? That's what goes through our mind is that form of slavery, to take someone from their home where they unwillingly are forced to get on a ship, they're put into chains, they're treated like personal property, sometimes killed, all with a, with, a, with a posture that they're saying, I don't want to do this. I'm not agreeing to this, right? It's horrific. But that's not what Peter was talking about when he talks about slave. First century slavery in, in a Greek mindset, in this Roman setting, first century slavery was very different. It's what you would probably think of as an indentured servant, Oftentimes, these people were highly educated, they were physicians, they were teachers in the homes, they ran the home, they were people who got caught up into debt many times, and they were paying off their debt. They could work to the point of buying back their freedom, so it's very, very different. But what you never see, not once, you never see the New Testament posture slavery as a good thing as a thing that should be supported or propped up or encouraged. <clears throat> in fact, what you see is in 1 Timothy 1, 8 through 11, you see the very opposite taught. But here are the words translated servants, because I, I think it's really, they want us to understand these are servants within the home. But here's what Peter does, and I hope you didn't miss this. Peter takes that role of servant and speaks directly to the servant, thus elevating that role to say we are one as brothers and sisters, because he's writing to Christians. As brothers and sisters, it does not matter whether your role is master. It does not matter whether your role is servant. It's like what Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, where Paul says because of Christ, there's no longer a distinction between slave and free. They are both one in Christ. Peter follows that same pattern, doesn't he? Look at verse 18. In verse 18, he uses the word servants. In verse 19, what does he do? He changes to one, that there is a oneness between the two. So with all that said, here's the question. How do we stay faithful? 
How do we stay faithful to Christ when we are facing unjust suffering? How do you stay faithful to Christ in that place? Well, through the text today, what we're going to see is we're going to see Peter point to three ways we do it. The first way we see is that we find grace in the suffering. Let's look at verse 18 through 20 again. Peter says, servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust, for this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. What credit is it if when you suffer and are beaten for it, you endure? But when you do good and suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. So Peter, Peter's encouraging these followers who are all spread out that when you suffer, that this is going to be a, a, a place where you're going to suffer sometimes by the unjust. And what does he mean by that, the unjust? Well, think about your business relationships. Think about your work relationships, the companies you work for, the bosses you work for. An unjust master back in the day, we would have said those were, the, those were the bosses that are crooked, right? They're the organizations that are, are crooked. They're, they're twisted. What they do, you've seen this, right? Companies that will make just an extra dime off your back. They don't care about you. They don't care about your family. They don't care how it hurts you. They don't care how it mistreats you. It's all about the profit margin. Are they making the profit? And sometimes they do it unjustly. They're going to lie. They're going to cheat. They're going to afford, they're going to say, if you want to stay working here, you're going to follow the same pattern. These are the things you're going to do. That's the, that's the culture that it's talking about. Now, notice when he's writing here that the response of the Christian, the response of the servant is never, ever based off of what the master does. Do you see that? Because this dismantles for us. This is so important. This dismantles the attitude so many Christians have. Oftentimes, we start to take the posture of the world. The world says, well, I will give respect when I get respect, right? That's what the world says. Paul, or Peter here has been teaching that we should be set apart. We should be holy. Church, we should be different. And this says that our attitude, our actions should be different. And our actions are not driven because of what an unjust master might do, what your manager might do, what your boss might do, what your company might do. And he says that when you endure that unjust hardship, verse 19, it's a gracious thing. It's a gracious thing in the sight of God. And here's where we stumble upon something that is just so key to Peter. If you fast forward to chapter five, look what he says. He says, I've I've written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God, so stand firm in it. If you have faced an unjust work environment, I am telling you, continue to stand firm in your faith in the Lord. It doesn't matter what the boss has said to you. It doesn't matter what the company has declared about you. None of that matters. You continue to stand firm in your faith in the Lord. Now, remember, this is Peter. This is Peter who was there when Jesus did the miracles. This is Peter who coming in from the boat saw the resurrected Jesus standing on the shore of the lake. This is Peter who was there who heard all the teachings of Jesus. He heard when Jesus taught Luke chapter 6 verse 32 through 35 where Jesus says, 
If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even the sinners do the same. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you'll be sons of the Most High. For his is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. So this kind of goes back to this thing of, I like to like the people I like. How about you? Like we do, don't we? I like to like my friends because they're good, right? I like to like them. I like to hang out with them. I like to do good stuff for them. But you saw some photos earlier of what this looks like. You saw some photos from that life group who said, you know what, these aren't necessarily friends. That life group saying, I don't even know these people. I just know there's a need, so I'm going to fill that need. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to expect nothing in return. Can I tell you, when we go to take these, what they call a shoe, a sh- the shoe rack, boot rack, that was it, the boot rack. When we take these boot racks to the school, we don't, we don't expect anything. We're not doing this because we think that the school is going to do whatever, right? That all the school is going to come in here to church. That'd be great. But that's not the expectation. The expectation is we are doing this expecting nothing in return. That's what Jesus calls us to. Now, with that said, we're talking about the unjust leader, right? The unjust organizations, the unjust companies. Some of you as Christians, you'll look and you'll say things like, wow, pastor, the company I'm working for, they passed me by for a promotion. I think it's persecution. I do. And when I ask, like, why did they pass you by? Well, I mean, sometimes I don't show up on time to work. And I dress kind of sloppy, you know. I I don't really dress professionally. I talk to people mean on the phone sometimes. I have a bad attitude, but sometimes I just have bad days. I need to have just an outlet, you know. And so I just tell that person the what for on the phone, and I just get mean on them a little bit. And sometimes with my coworkers, I don't get along all that good. But they're persecuting me, Pastor. Yeah, no, you just didn't deserve the promotion, right? And I know I don't need to say that in this room at this campus because I know like we've got this work ethic here, but yet I'm going to say that anyway. That's not persecution. That's fruit of your own action. That's what that is. At the same time, some of you would say, I hear that, but I do show up on time and I have hit all my benchmarks and I do get along with all my coworkers and I am a team player, and I have gone above and beyond, and yet it's very clear that they don't like in my workplace that I'm a follower of Jesus. They don't like that I'm a Christian. I mean, I'm not like the weird Christian at work, but I I don't hide the fact that I'm a Christian. I don't hide that at all, and so time and time again, they pass me by for promotions, and they promoted someone else that's less deserving, and that's hard to handle. And my answer to you is, yeah, that, that would be hard to handle. And yet what we have to do is continue to go back to the word of God and to see that we experience suffering sometimes when we live for Jesus. That is a thing. There is going to be suffering at times when you live for Christ. And yet his grace is sufficient, friends, even in that point. His grace is sufficient. Number two, we're going to follow the ways of Jesus through suffering Verse 21 says, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, 
leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So what we see is we are to follow the example of Jesus. I talked about this earlier, but friends, there are pastors, honest to goodness, they will teach this morning that when you follow Jesus, that he wants you to have a Lambo out in the driveway. Lamborghini, that's a car. He wants you to have a big fancy house and he wants you to have all the promotions and they're going to guarantee you're never going to get sick. You're never going to get the Rona, right? And they're going to stand up in front of their churches and they're going to say these things. And I'm just going to tell you that is not the word of God. That is not scripture. Did you see what Peter just called us to? He says, let me say it again, for this you've been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps, which is also the title of a great Christian classic, In His Steps by Charles Sheldon, which is where we get What Would Jesus Do? So if you want a quick, easy read of one of the classics, In His Steps, Charles Sheldon, it's a good read. But what we're going to do is we're going to see that Peter then says, let me give you specifics on what this suffering looks like. That as Christians were following in his steps, verse 22 and 23 says that Jesus never sinned and yet he suffered and died. He was the one that never sinned. There was no deceit found in his mouth and yet he suffered death on a cross. That's how Jesus was killed. The one who had never sinned. We see that he never lashed out, insulted or threatened when he suffered It's like Isaiah 53, isn't it? Like the innocent lamb being led to the slaughter. Remember, Peter's talking to the church. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. He's talking to Christians. Sometimes we read a text like this and we go, yeah, I just wish America was like this. I wish our nation was like this where we were just humble with one another. But he's not talking to America. He's talking to the church We have to remember that. And sometimes I think we take our cues from the rest of culture. In church, we can't do that. Our cues have to come from the word of God because our culture starts to puff up, right? Our culture says, oh, you're going to insult me? You're going to get my space? You're going to talk what? What? Right? And we start to act like a banny rooster. We start to puff up a little bit, you know, and do, do all this. That's what we do. And what does it say we should do? It says that even in that place, Jesus responded, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's the response that we're called to have. And it's not the response that we're called to have as long as they're only insulting us. But if they insult our family, oh, now you better watch out. No, this says this is the posture, church, that we are supposed to have, this this meekness in our posture. And it says he trusted himself to the Father The one who judges justly, who would make all things right, Jesus trusted completely. So what's it look like for you and I to suffer correctly? What does it look like for us to face trials well? Well, it looks like following in the steps of Jesus, the one who knew no sin, and yet he was crucified on a cross. That's what it looks like. It looks like following the ways of Christ, completely loving the Lord. Loving the Lord so much that you trust him to be the ultimate judge. You trust him to be the ultimate authority. The final thing that we're going to see is that we focus on the overseer of our souls. Look at verse 24. 
it says he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were strained like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And so maybe you've been wondering, what's my motivation? Because I I see how the world responds, and I kind of like it. You know, I kind of like when people want to yell at me a little bit and get in my space. I want to push back, right? When people get in my space, I kind of want to, you know, I just, I want to bring it a little bit. Why would I be motivated to not do that? Well, here we see, here's our motivation. Our motivation is because Jesus bore our sins in his body on the tree. By his wounds, we have been healed. We need to remember, and Peter's come back again and again and again. It's almost like he is shaking us, trying to get our attention, saying, don't you remember, you were captives. You were hostages to sin. That is not where you are now. You have been freed by the blood of the lamb. Friends, so oftentimes I think we get our identity so wrong. We want to identify ourselves as sinners. Can I tell you, Christ died for you to set you free. And when he did that, it was not just an eternal freedom. It was a freedom from sin now. You are no longer a slave to sin. That is not who you are. You have been redeemed by faith in Christ That is who we are. That's what Peter's trying to scream at the church right now. And he's saying, that's maybe who you used to be. Do you see the past tense? He says, you were, and then he says, but now you have returned. And then he gives these two descriptions of Christ. That would have been so comforting. He says, the shepherd and the overseer. I just want you to picture a shepherd in your mind. The kindness in the eyes, the patience, the one who protects the sheep, who fights off anything that might try to get too close, the one who, when the sheep wanders off and gets lost because sheep are dumb, that's what they do. They just wander around trying to go their own direction. You ever do that? Just kind of, I'm going to go my own direction. The sheep's wandering off their own direction. The shepherd's the one who says to the 99, you stay right here. I'm going to go over here and get this sheep and return them to the flock. So patient with us. And the overseer, the one who's watching everything. Do you hear what Peter's saying to these people who are undergoing persecution? Who's undergoing unjust leaders? The servants who have unjust masters? the church that's been scattered and is no longer together in this moment. Do you hear what he says? He says, hey, you're not alone. You're not alone. Wherever you are, you're not alone. The shepherd is with you. The overseer is with you. And church, I'm telling you the same thing. No matter what feelings you may be having during this season, we need to go to the Word of God for truth. And the Word of God tells us that the shepherd is there. The overseer is there. He is with us through whatever you're facing. So connecting this big circle, we place our focus on the shepherd, the overseer, on our relationship that we have in Christ Jesus. If you're facing that kind of unjust ruler, that unjust company, that unjust organization... I'm going to tell you, you have a responsibility to be faithful to Christ, even in that place. Not to fire back and respond unjustly to unjustness. That's not our calling. You don't have to work there. 
I mean, we have freedom in this country. That's the beautiful thing about this. As we remember Veterans Day today, which happened earlier in the week, we, we have freedom here. But as long as you are there, as long as you're at that company, as long as you're with that organization, as long as that person is your boss, you have a responsibility to live as one who's obedient to Christ. Now, maybe, maybe you have some heavy things in front of you. Maybe you're facing sickness right now. Maybe you're facing financial trials. Maybe you're facing COVID trials. Maybe you've got family stuff coming up and you're looking, going, Thanksgiving is quickly approaching and I'm pretty heavy hearted because I don't know how we're going to do it this year. I, I just, you know, family members responding differently to all of this. I just, and, and you're pretty heavy hearted about it. Maybe organizationally, business wise, there are some things going on that are not just. Maybe as a Christian, you've been asking why a lot. That's what culture does, right? Why? Lord, why me? Why do I have to go through this? Lord, this isn't fair. Why is all this going on? Why is this happening? I just, I want to encourage you to shift that question. That's my takeaway for today. Let's just shift that question. Instead of saying why, I want you to ask what. Lord, what do you want me to learn from this? Lord, what ways do I need to continue to make this less about me and more about you? Lord, what ways do I need to strip me away so that my relationship with you can grow tighter? You're my shepherd. You're my overseer. Lord, what ways are you going to be glorified through this? Will you show me that? Will you show me your glory even in this? Because I'm going to tell you in the midst of a pandemic... I have seen God glorified again and again and again because of the faithfulness of his people. Because the way we continue to love the Lord and to love others, we have seen him glorified again and again. No matter what you're facing, church, let's continue to be faithful to the Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. Lord, there are some passages that are tough. There are some passages that um, make us cringe a little bit because it steps on our toes. It gets in our space a lot. The calling to humility, the calling to selflessness is a high calling. Lord, will you just continue to show us what it means to be obedient there? I do pray for my brothers and sisters in this room that maybe they do have heavy things weighing on them today. Lord, I pray for this day to be such a day of encouragement. Not a day of weight, not a day of tension, but just such a day of encouragement that you... You're the shepherd. You're the overseer. You're with us. Lord, continue to show us what it means to bring you glory with all we do. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.